listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm your host and uh, bedroom Baroque pop producer, Thomas Irwin. And once again, we're coming in this week to do a album discussion. We're just discussing one album for this week's episode. As usual, I am joined by a fellow psychedelic music uh, producer, songwriter extraordinaire, Dan Barracuda. He is the uh, guitar maestro to my uh, keyboard wizard <laughs> persona, maybe. Very talented fellow and uh, as enthusiastic about music as I am. So I think we make for a good combo. We're coming in today to discuss Paul Simon's Graceland, which is unequivocally one of my favorite albums of all time. Always a treat talking about that. And uh, before we just get straight into it, I will uh, say again, if you out there have a next album you want us to talk about and uh, sort of review, by all means, let us know. You can uh, hit me up at thomas at niagaramoonmusic.com or come say hi on the Niagara Moon Facebook page or the Niagara Moon Podcast SoundCloud page. Alrighty, I think we should just crack into it. shall be received in Graceland. Yeah, we are talking about an album today that just always makes me really happy, uh, Paul Simon's Graceland. Yep, I heard it twice. I heard it twice, like, in the past day and a half. Um, dude, I'm not that familiar with the album. Really? <laughs> this is another one I just totally grew up on from, from a young age, from grade school. Oh, wow, dude. I've heard this album, like, twice in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was all in the past day and a half. Here's the thing, though. I know you can call me out super well. Like, I play it all the time with Ian when we do our gigs. Like, so I know that song, like, super... I know all the words, you know? Um, and Diamonds and a Soul of Her Shoes, I'm familiar with all right, that you one. know the big hits. Yeah, I know the big hits. But a lot of those songs was, like, first listen. First... Okay, so you came into this pretty fresh. Yeah, super fresh. I, I knew, like, that he worked in... I knew, like, about it a little bit. Like, that he went to South Africa and it has a ton of, like, world ethnic sounds in it. I knew that. Yeah, it is super happy, and it's so good, dude. It's just like, it just sounds like African music with, like, his just beautiful voice just kind of swimming all over it. <laughs> yeah, it really does swim. Dude, he has such a nice voice. It's uh, it's very gentle, but it also, like, he's bringing a lot of weird ideas and a lot of lyrical moments. Like, it, it's not, it's not yeah. like... Uh, it has some really kind of challenging sort of experimental angles to it too, but it really, it blends together so well. I feel like he sings like really quietly. <laughs> like if you were to be near him when he's doing, when he's doing his vocals, like he must be like right up. Yeah. He stands very still. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, I, I saw a couple of interviews of him in the seventies and he's, he's just a strange, quiet, still tranquil guy, dude. <laughs> Super peaceful. I'm someone who's, I've heard this album bajillion times this is up there for me with this is quite close to how many times i've listened to certain beatles albums like this is when i was a kid it was like you know in, until adolescence i was pretty much just a beatles bob dylan paul simon guy with, with kind of this album in particular being near the top so yeah i mean the way you uh live and breathe a lot of pink floyd albums i'm kind of i can't really come at this very objectively yeah but uh, just every time I listen to this album, I do kind of pick out something new that I really kind of hone in on and really enjoy or like a particular song pops out to me more than others or it just it's kind of like the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. 
But uh, that's awesome. If you, if you were coming into this totally fresh, and uh, did you listen to it in order, like from beginning to end? Yes. So yeah, what, yeah, what were kind of your uh, some impressions of that? Since that was like the first time for you. Um, super great lyrical flow, you know. And we're talking about just Paul Simon. Like, I don't really know what he's playing on the album besides vocals and like yeah. some guitar. Like, was he doing anything else besides? Um, this really is kind of an album where he's leaving a lot to uh, the other players, and his selection of the other players is really, uh, I think, pretty insightful. Um, but the other musicians, yeah, yeah, he wrote the songs and then he's doing guitar. Apparently, a little bit of synthesizer, bass guitar on track six. Hmm. I don't know, but yeah, it's mainly just he's doing all the vocals and he's he's doing guitar. No weekend. way, he's not playing bass on "You Can Call Me." He's playing bass on "You Can uh, Call Me." Out. He's playing bass guitar on track six, according to Wikipedia. That's, That's yeah. You can call me out. I don't. Okay, I'm. I don't really trust Wikipedia. Back backing up a little bit, he uh, <laughs> he's just kind of leading leading the charge, and he is obviously the the voice of the album, but he's not. Like he's not Prince. He's not like playing all these different parts himself. Um, he's he's kind of like the uh, the orchestrator, like the, like the conductor almost. The 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 melodies are really nice. I mean, it's just like it's very upbeat. You know, it's very happy. It's very bright. I definitely I, I definitely enjoyed it the first listen, but the second listen I was like, wow, this is really really nice. Like Graceland, the boy in the bubble is awesome. Like the first like five songs are just killer. You know, I know what I know is awesome. Gumbo first six. I mean, you can call me Alice number six. This this goes full steam ahead. I know. I'm a little sick of that song, honestly. I'm I'm like sick of you can call I mean, me. It, I play that it, song it is all like the time. The, the hit you know? single from the from the album. So if... it, it is. It's his most played song on Spotify oh, by far. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's his number one. It's his like it's his it's his golden I mean, song. It's a great tune. Still, what are you gonna do? Just classic. It, 80s it pop. is. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. This album is just like hit after hit, just like solid, awesome jam. Up until Under African Skies, kind of brings it down a little bit. It's nice. It's, it's still nice, it's nice. and it, it tells a cool story, but it it kind of slows our roll a little bit. Um, Homeless kind of comes out of nowhere, but that that's always a nice listen. Um, I don't know. I mean, we can get into it track by track, but like, yeah, it's it's happy and it's like he sings so softly, but then he's tackling all these kind of cerebral ideas and like these a lot of these things he sings about feels really like personal to him. Like he's telling these really kind of personal, sometimes kind of like harsh anecdotes from his own life. Like he's talking about divorce and like his midlife crisis. Like he he kind of sneaks about it. Like you don't pick up on it right away maybe, but like he's really kind of like laying a lot of stuff bare compared to uh, other albums. I, I really read, a, I, I read up on the I album. Did. I read up on the album a little bit. And um, it was right after a really hard part of his life. Like him and Garfunkel weren't, good and he, he he did have a divorce with carrie fisher and he had two commercial failures yeah from his previous two albums and and label and the label they kind of saw him as it has yeah. been and they were more focused on prince and madonna and he and he but he felt like it, get, it gave him a little more flexibility because the label wasn't like pressuring him they kind of were starting to give up on him a little bit yeah so then he got he was depressed like in 84 
and then he kind of saw something about South African music and he got inspired. Yeah, it's this is a period like the mid 80s, I feel like is when all the stars of the 60s started really being crap. Like if you're going to be blunt about it, like Bob yeah. Dylan, Grateful Dead, generally Robert speaking, Plant. Robert Plant, <laughs> just like so many of, you know, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger yeah, anything Rolling Stones related, like <laughs> early 80s into mid 80s, like so many of these artists that we just, you know, take as a given, like, you know master of pop master of rock like all these just undeniable artists mid 80s is when things just like the new wave came in and all these older artists just really like struggled to be relevant yeah or sound good at all or have anything like interesting to say or <laughs> i mean just speaking harshly like you know you pick an art any given artist all right stevie wonder paul mccartney like any of those classic 60s 70s artists there's like a certain time by like the early 80s, maybe right up by 1980, where it's like, uh, this is where they went bad. I don't want to listen to them anymore. Like, okay, they're entering cheese territory. Like, the industry yep. had a big shift and things were more conservative. And if you were going to listen to something cool or adventurous, you'd just go with these newer artists. So things got flashier. Yeah. Glam metal, hair metal, Bon Jovi. And like right? blander and at the same thrashed. time. Yeah. Like everything started conforming to just the less trends. artsy. Yeah. Le less. Yeah, less artsy, less folk. And in the midst of all that, Paul Simon did this, which is just so against the grain. And for this to be like really the tentpole of his solo career, is just it won it won a album of the year for the Grammy. And it's it's sold probably better than any of his other solo albums. I mean, I'm I'm just kind of guessing on that, but like it's his it's his best. Yeah, it's his a, best. One. You couldn't escape it. I mean, based on everything I've I've seen about it. Have you heard the uh, the albums leading up to this one by Paul Simon? Probably not, right? Not really. No, not really. Uh, wh wh which one is um, uh, Julio? Julio no, is that? Is that the album? That's from one in the seventies. That's from. Uh, gotcha. I don't know off the top of my head, but that's either like uh, not still crazy after all these years, but like there goes Ryman Simon, maybe, which is a fantastic album. Um, what about uh, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover? 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover is uh, still crazy after all these years. Uh, Julio Down by the Schoolyard is actually uh, his first album, Paul Simon. So if we're just kind of speaking of uh, Paul Simon's discography as a whole, it's like I think his first solo album after Simon and Garfunkel broke up, uh, Paul Simon, is amazing. That might be my number two after Graceland. Um, and there goes Ryman Simon is great. Still crazy after all of these years is classic. And then kind of what happened as uh, the years went on is he did start kind of losing steam. Um, and it wasn't just with the album before. Like even One Trick Pony, which uh, you probably don't know anything about that album, right? No, I don't. I don't. Like he, he made a movie. Uh, he starred in a movie and then One Trick Pony was like the companion album to the movie. And uh, as you can probably guess, like help it, or something. Yeah, and as you can guess, it it wasn't a huge hit. And um, he just he started getting like how you're talking about him being really soft. His music was really soft, and it got softer and softer, and it had more of like these jazz pop elements. But just it really was kind of started getting lackluster. Like it just, it didn't have any oomph behind it. It was like kind of boring. Yeah, it 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 was it wasn't getting bland in the way that maybe a lot of other artists at this time were getting bland or getting generic, but it was still like 
it was just missing some oomph. It was just, it was. And then he's like, I'm just going to make everything upbeat, dude. And that's what he did. Everything was so upbeat. Yeah. Total shift. Wait, so so you're saying that the album before Graceland? So the album, the album before, before Graceland is super soft. Yeah, I mean, he was just getting into this soft kind of jazzy pop rock thing. Hearts and Bones came out after One Trick Pony, and that also kind of, there's some good songs on it, but it's just, it kind of feels flat. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't do anything new. All these songs, like if I look at the title, I'm like, oh yeah, kind of does that, but nothing really sticks with you too much. It just felt like he was running out of stuff to say, and then for him to go from that to Graceland, it's like the ultimate comeback. That's awesome. He came from a dark place, too. He was, like, depressed, dude, in 84. And then he worked on the album in 85. Commercial failures, divorces, you know, getting old, feeling irrelevant. Strained relationships. Strained friendships. Yeah, yeah it, it all came to a head. And in fact, he, he went from that place to... Uh, and I don't... Also, a little bonus comment here. The album after Graceland, which is Rhythm of the Saints, that's a fantastic album, too. That is... I think kind of it is super underrated. I also really love that album. And that kind of does, it has a similar approach to Graceland except with themes from uh, South American music and like these huge percussion sections from, I don't know if it was Brazil or, or what country. It's, it's upbeat. It's upbeat as well. Like it's, Oh, it's, it's still, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a jam. I would definitely recommend rhythm. In the now how come that one didn't do that as well? Timing, maybe because Nirvana, like, <laughs> It just came up against Graceland. I mean, how do you how do you top Graceland or how do you follow Graceland? It was, it was four years after, right? Yeah, doo, doo, doo. yeah, yeah. It was like by nineteen ninety. Yeah, I mean, I think it still probably did pretty well. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a failure by any means, but just I think it kind of got lost in the shadow of uh, of a huge hit like Graceland. Um, but cool. yeah, I definitely recommend that one too. Rhythm of the Saints. But yeah, I, Graceland is such a success. I mean, just obviously beyond the, the commercial aspect of it, the way it incorporates so many different styles of music into something that feels new. Like, I feel like he succeeds in doing something that a lot of other artists around this time were trying to do and maybe didn't pull off. Like, yeah, you know, it was, it was a big hit, but like Peter Gabriel's So. What does that, what, does that have like Sledgehammer on it? Yeah. Like it's it's fun. What but year did it, that come out? Is that an eighties album? I I think that was probably around the same time, mid eighties. Salisbury Hill. Yeah, that my again. I don't know Peter Gabriel's songs like track by track that intimately, but uh, I don't know. Like we are the world. We are that the came world. out like in eighty five. <laughs> we are. I feel like this children. is a period of time where like, synthesizers, you know, approximating or appropriating like all these different countries' styles of music, like that started to become a thing more. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Paul Simon succeeds. Right in the midst of glam rock. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of weird <laughs> things happening at this time. Def Leppard, like Motley Crue. Yeah. Yeah, he's... <laughs> and then, like, you got, like, Thrash was coming. Punk rock was, like, you yeah, know, Metallica. But th- these were all the new guys, right? These these artists did not have the roots in the right. 60s, by and large. Yeah. David, David Bowie, Bowie, yeah, this is where David, even David Bowie wasn't immune to, to kind of crapping out in the 60s, or not 60s, 80s. Yeah, I don't know why it happened to so many artists at this time. Ah, uh, Paul Simon's voice, man. It's, it's so soft and soothing, and it's nice to hear it just all over, like, really upbeat, worldly 
you know, South African music, and it's and the melodies are so nice. The lyrics are so. And I'm talking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like I love his melodies. Like this, it's just so beautiful. Wearing these diamonds, and I can say, it's like a bright blue sky, yeah. dude. <laughs> and it's funny because he's cramming so many words in there, and a lot of the uh, kind of the positions he's taking or perspectives. Like there's there's a lot of neuroses going on, like. I had to rearrange this position that I have with a friend who's having a breakdown. Like it's just a very kind of heady stuff, but he just, he makes it so smooth. See, I, I didn't follow the lyrics that well. I haven't followed the, I, I don't know it that well. Uh, I don't know the lyrics that well. See, the thing for me with this album is my, I do have a memory of like the first time I, I got it from the library probably and put it on. And I did flip through like the little CD book, booklet that had all the words. It had all the lyrics yeah. And without hearing the song said, I'm just reading all these words and I'm like, wait, this is all one song? Like, how, how's he cramming this in here? Like, it just goes on it's and ton, on. It's and a ton of words. Some of the couplets are so long. I'm like, how does, how does he going to pull this off? Like, what is this? He does like some of the melodies are similar. Like he like the I kinda, e, the Eagles do it a lot when when you're when he sings stuff like, I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. You know what I mean? Like yeah, da, yeah. Da, da, da. yeah, there's some phrases that <laughs> kind of pop up now and again. Yeah, it's like talking and then like dropping like yeah. in a major scale. <laughs> it's it's this kind of like he's he's channeling the ideas rather than like carefully crafting out the melody or like writing it down. He's like, I just have to get all this out, and this is going to be the easiest way to get it out vocally to to tell these stories the way I want to. I wonder them. how he records his vocals if if they're quick. No, I wonder. If I think he this is really to... labored. Let me just. Yeah, I th super. I think he, yeah, I think he spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, certainly on that part. I'm talking about diamonds on the soul. What are your favorite tracks? Yeah, so I mean, like I said, every time I hear this, something different about it sticks out to me, and I, I enjoy it more. But um, I mean, obviously, the hits like "Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes" that's that's always going to be near the top, and you can so call me nice. Al. Gumboots is kind of a personal favorite of mine, even though it's a shorter one with that like saxophone section solo. I don't even if I don't know if you call it a solo, but that that's one of the highlights. Of the album for me. Yeah, yeah. When that happens. Uh, so many instruments going on. Uh, Graceland, even though that's kind of a simpler one. Graceland so is good. so it's yeah. it's nice. Really it's sets really a tone nice. for the album too. It's such a a traveling album. Like it's a great album to put on in the car. I think. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's just yeah. kind of off the top of the head for me. How about you? Yeah, for me, like I said uh, earlier, Graceland. I really like. I like Boy in the Bubble a lot, and I love Diamonds in the Silver Shoes. Like I said, the first five songs really uh, stick out to me. Uh, and I don't remember like the last four really, but I remember that I, I liked it a lot, you know, I just remember that I liked it a lot and I, I kind of didn't, I wasn't really, cause I was running the first time I heard it and I didn't know like what song was which, mm. like I didn't know it was crazy love volume. What's crazy love volume one. Does that exist? No. So I don't know why there's a volume two. That's kind of a little sneaky thing he does. Um, some of some of the song names are just strange. All around the world, or the myth of fingerprints. <laughs> like that's the name of the song. Yeah, he couldn't pick a single. T I mean, 
I don't know how closely you listen to the lyrics on that one. Like both of those ideas fit with what he's singing about, but I think he just couldn't choose yeah. which title he wanted to go with. Maybe. Yeah. Um, do you know what the myth of fingerprints is? No. So this idea, you know, uh, my fingerprint is unique to me and it's going to be different than the fingerprint you have. So therefore we're both really unique and special and there's no way you could confuse us. And, I think he's singing from the perspective of like a talk show host who has to interview people day in, day out and meets all these so-called big personalities who are supposed to be so quirky and, and different. But I seen them all and man, they're all the same. Like the myth of fingerprints, the myth that we have these things that really make us different and unique when really we're just like a big wave of, of humanity and we're really not that different from gotcha. each other. And then all around the world, this it's the same all around the world. He sings that part too. So again, a very kind of like, Whoa. if I just wrote that down on a piece of paper, you're like, mm, are you having a bad day? But he just makes, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the s- s- sun goes down ever since the watermelon. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that part of it's saying. That will, but, yeah. The way he sings that is awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And it sounds great and it makes sense. But you're like, wait, what's like the things he's really putting in front ever of you. Ever since the watermelon? The, like the themes he wants to explore the stuff that's on his mind really is kind of like it gets it gets a little dark it gets a little cynical but it goes down so smooth because of the uh the musical choices he's making yeah dude he's such a poet now you like you like Simon solo stuff more than Simon and Garfunkel I do I mean I mean it's it's a little hard to compare to cuz it's different eras and it's it's a different genre almost but the discography of Paul Simon, when he's good, it's like he's like the Beatles in that he's ex- he's exploring so many different styles and bringing his own style to it, and you just get all these like wonderfully original, unique blends. You know, with this album, but then also yeah. how diverse his first album is, and there goes Rhyme and Simon with you got Gospel for uh, Love Me Like a Rock and Kodachrome is doing like. All these just classic, undeniable songs. You like the variants and like the, the experimenting he's doing. And because it's him and he's running the show, again, I like it when it's just one guy dictating everything and, and running the show creatively. But he gets to really push things further in an interesting direction. And with Simon and Garfunkel, it's like, okay, it's folk rock or sometimes just folk. And you have these two guys who their voices blend really nicely and they got they caught do. up in the whole like 60s shtick. It's like there's there's so many classic Simon and Garfunkel songs I also love, but it's just like it doesn't push in any particular direction the way that uh, Simon's solo compositions can. I don't know. That's what I love about Simon and Garfunkel. I just love the song so much. I know it's like kind of similar style, like between Sound of Silence and Scarborough Fair. And, you know, I mean, I guess Bridge Over Trouble Water is a little different, you know? It's not just acoustic and uh, and two two singers. Um, but I just love the song so much. And dude, their blend. I, I just love their blend so much. They, dude, they've been singing together since they were 11. 11, yeah. dude. <laughs> I just love Garfunkel's voice. And I, I was watching, I was listening to some other Simon Solo stuff. Like, I mean, I guess particularly like Live in Hyde Park, or, you know, like Live in Hyde Park, Central Park. Yeah. When, uh, yeah. When Simon That's would a great do. album. And he would close with Sound of Silence. And it's just like, why isn't Garfunkel's voice here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's his song. It's Paul's song. He wrote all the songs. You know, Garfunkel yeah. just sang. He wrote. Like, Paul was the the brains behind. Sometimes everything. Garfunkel didn't even sing. 
Sometimes he didn't sing. I mean, although Paul doesn't even sing on Bridge Over Troubled Water. Water. Right, and then he spent the next few decades complaining about that and how he should have let uh, himself sing that so that people wouldn't think it was a Garfunkel song. I mean, I'm kind of framing that differently, but it's like, dude, give Garfunkel something to do. Yeah, is he like what? Is he like Waters like, dude? Is he Waters like? I don't know. Like in terms of like working, like, and he's like a dick. <laughs> I dominating. Uh, I don't. Paul's thing is to dominate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if we're speaking on the Simon and Garfunkel relationship, it's like, you know, what was Garfunkel bringing to the table after a while? They grew up together, fine. They they had each other's backs when they were struggling. But suddenly, if you're successful and you're Paul Simon and you're a genius and you got all these ideas you want to explore, you really need to, like, keep this guy around. And I'm sure Garfunkel didn't want to uh, be told what to do so much after certain points. So I don't see why you wouldn't yeah. break up and, and go your own way. Yeah, it makes sense when you look at it like that, it does. I mean, if Paul Simon's going to go on to do something like Graceland, where the heck does Garfunkel fit in that, you know? Fit, yeah. I mean, it would be, I mean, it would fit nicely, but I feel like working on it might be a disaster. For maybe a song or two. Yeah. Getting back to Graceland, like when you think uh, what makes this album particularly great or notable, like what kind of things pop in your mind maybe? I mean, it, it just sticks out like a sore thumb, you know? Just with the worldly elements and the instrumentation, the upbeat nature of it all, the imagery in, in, in his words. It's just, it, it's interesting to hear. It's like African music, dude, but it's like uh, an American folk singer. Is it? But not all of not it, all though. Not all of it. Yeah. A lot of it, right. You got the Zydeco thing going on. and I love like the, like, I just love like the African harmonies going on. Like, I think in the beginning of Diamonds in the Soul of Her Shoes, like there's some awesome. Yeah, Ladysmith, Black Mambazo. Who's that? That's that's the person. That's the so? vocal group. Oh, oh. Okay. I'm sure, like that whole section in the beginning. I'm sure that's just them doing their own thing. And Paul Simon's like, "Yeah, do that on my album." You know that that's kind of. Uh, it's hard to call all of this Paul Simon being awesome when a lot of the musical stuff that's happening is just him kind of like curating a different group of talented musicians doing their own thing. Like Homeless, that song Homeless, is that's like a Ladysmith Black Mambazo song with like Paul Simon showing up halfway through. Ladysmith Black Mambazo, there it is. Or the Boyoyo Boys. The Boyoyo. They're, you know, they're like a group of, I don't know how many men Dude, look at this. I read this yesterday. At the time, musicians in Johannesburg, South Africa, were typically paid $15 an hour. Simon arranged to pay them $200 an hour. Kudos to him. Around triple the rate. Around triple the rate for top players in New York City. Good. Simon said he wanted to be as bu- be as above board as I could possibly be. As many of the musicians did not know who he was and would not be lured by the promise of royalties alone. 200 bucks an hour. Yeah. In the eighties, in eighteen, in nineteen eighty-five, dude, what's that, dude? That's like that's like six hundred bucks an hour present day. <laughs> I don't know how to do that math, but <laughs> but that's crazy, dude. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, do you know about the kind of criticism he took after putting this out of of appropriating or? There was a lot of shit about like apartheid and like there was a yeah he got a lot Apar- of shit. apartheid. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. 
I, of course, you're going to have a bunch of racists or, you know, overzealous conservatives come at him for for using black musicians. Oh my God, what a crazy idea! I'm, I'm sure there was all I, that racial controversy back then. But just from like musicologists or certain critics, um, he did take some heat for, you know, incorporating other musicians' music for his album in a way that it's like, well, what are you actually contributing or are you just appropriating somebody else's stuff and putting your name on it? Or but, but. He got a bunch of uh, criticism for that too, I think. I don't know if you know much about that. But what you're describing, his 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 diligence of, of really making sure these musicians were credited and compensated, um, I think is another reason why this album works so well is he was just, he rewarded other people's talent and didn't take advantage of people the way he could have. And he was such a good listener. Like I, I, this is the album of somebody who really knows how to listen and take into consideration cool. and properly use other people's ideas. Like he's such a good collaborator. He was very good about giving people credit too. And he gave like, he like, he was getting everyone royalties and also like in the song yeah. names themselves. I feel like I, I saw like a track listing that. Yeah. Like if you look at the writers, boy in the bubble, you got four air, Matlo, Heloa, and Simon. And then you got all these other songs have like other people and Simon. Gumboots, three other people and Simon. He was giving people writing credits. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have collaborative music like this, you really got to spur on the other, the other players to do their best and feel like they're going to be rewarded for it. I feel like it's going to be an important part yeah. of it. And he, he mastered that. So he got a lot of shit, but he also got a lot of praise and it, it did win album of the year yeah and it's it's such a classic and it's so remembered even to this day like it's it's one of the uh most acclaimed album albums of the 80s now there's something to be said about an album being so successful because of like one particular song helping it propel it right and is that the case with this album do you think like like it, it, it i feel like well i mean you got you can call me al it's like the single. It's like it that song like brought it to the top. Don't you think don't you think like an album gets so much pull from one particular song? It's kind of like Pet Sounds. Like not a lot like like what are the huge songs of Pet Sounds? It's God Only Knows and like especially uh wouldn't, wouldn't it, be, it nice? be nice? Like like that song like boosts it. So everyone's like, "Oh, wouldn't it yeah. be nice? Oh, it's part of Pet Sounds." Oh, I feel like I guess, an, an album needs a song. Yeah, like you were saying, you can call me Al is by far his most streamed. Oh yeah, song. it's got like 240 million and the next yeah. one has like 100 million or like 80 million or something. I guess it's it's hard for me to comment on that cuz like I said, this is an album, one of the few albums I got from the library at a young age and just like delved into these songs and didn't really, you know, I knew that it was from the 80s and I knew that there weren't a lot of albums besides this from the 80s that did this kind of stuff, like that this was kind of trailblazing. I knew all that, but I didn't know like, oh, this particular song, you know, hit the charts for this amount of time. I, I, I'm kind of, that. I get lost in that stuff. I didn't, uh, I didn't pick up okay. on that. But I think you're right that a lot of people don't know this album, but they know You Can Call Me Al. And you're and you're right with pet sounds being God only knows. Yeah, and wouldn't it be nice? It's like because of a particular song or two on an album that like makes it such a huge album. It's rare mm. that an album has like every single song is a hit. That's yeah. what happens when you get like Appetite for Destruction or like Hybrid Theory from Linkin Park. 
like every there was like six or like eight singles on that out like you can call me out is that the only song that had a music video i know it's the 80s different time um but still i mean mtv was going you can call me out had definitely had the most famous music video the one with chevy chase and they're just sitting in chairs yeah. and little hijinks are going on that's a cute one yeah boy in the bubble has a music video that i didn't know okay. about until recently and you know i don't know if it got nearly as much airplay on like mtv or whatever at the time but boy in the bubble has a video yeah i don't know about the rest of these songs also another funny thing about paul simon and music videos he made a music video for uh me and julio down by the schoolyard like in the 80s <laughs> even though the, the song is is from over 10 years prior uh for whatever reason he he went back and, and made one sometime during wow. the 80s and it's like him playing basketball uh you know, downtown New York City with a bunch of kids for some reason. Like No way. I feel like I've seen it's it cute. actually. Like yeah. Once. But he's you know, he's he's getting up there in, in years, but it's uh it's fun. I don't know. He him and music videos, there's a very kind of casual <laughs> approach there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he always sounds young, Paul. Yeah. He's got like a very youthful kind of voice. Well I wonder if that I mean not to just be a dick but i wonder if that's kind of because of how small a person he is like if i wonder if that mm, maybe yeah makes his vocals sound a certain way see he's he's a small man he's like five one five two how tall, how tall? no way he's five three wow five three <laughs> garfunkel's five nine wow he really makes garfunkel look really tall i'm fine yeah nine. you always think of garfunkel, garfunkel being like six foot six or tall. something he's like short dude he's five <laughs> nine that's crazy all right, let's go track by track here. So you start with Boy in the Bubble. So you start with accordion. The first instrument on the whole album is accordion. What are like the first lyrics in it? Do you know? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I can hear it, but I got to look it up to... I mean, he's singing about modernization and how like the world's getting smaller and smaller and there's cameras everywhere and there's technology. and. So he's not singing about like South Africa at all or like like Elvis or like it's that's only in Graceland that he sings about Graceland everything it's not really a concept album no it's not a concept album I don't think not not in any literal way it was a slow day and the sun was beating on the soldiers by the side of the road there was a bright light a shattering of shop windows the bomb in the carriage was wired to the radio so he's kind of he's talking about the modern like modern scenarios of war and uh, how technology yeah. has changed war and and how people attack each other but then it's the days of miracle and wonder. It's it's being able to call long distance. It's slow motion cameras. You know, he's saying we just got to get with the times for better or for worse. I think it's a pretty good statement to open an album with. Is that one? Do you love that song? Oh, it's a great one. Yeah, I think it's a great opener. And the the bass, it's it's never going to be like one of my favorites on the album. But uh, I think it's really strong. Yeah. I think it was like they're his engineer, Roy something. He. Uh... He talked about how the bass lines are like absolutely crucial in the album and like they put a lot of attention on, on the bass. Bass is really important and it's it's a kind of bass playing, and I forget the name of the player. It is a, a player from Africa, but it's a style and a sound that I don't hear on any other pop album. Like it's so just unique to Graceland. Boom, boom, me. boom, boom. It's so and it's so prominent. You can call me out. Boom, yeah. boom, 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 bo
Graceland is awesome, dude. Just he, he just makes the words fit. The words fit. And I I have reason to believe that we all shall be received in Graceland. The Mississippi Delta. We're shining like a national guitar. Oh, that's so nice. Shining like a national guitar. It's like, ooh, I want a national guitar. What do those look like? I know. Like a... <laughs> something about, like, and he said something about the Civil War, and he was like, I'm going to Graceland. The cradle of the Civil War, yeah. The cradle of the Civil War. I'm going to Graceland. So what else is he saying Graceland? He's talking about Elvis at all? Like, I think Graceland is just a symbol for visiting like the roots of American music or country music. Like it's it's him welcoming all these older influences like back into his kind of musical heart and kind of relishing that. I, I mean, I don't think he's talking about the life of Elvis. He's Graceland is just the name of Elvis's home, right? Yeah, it's nothing that, more. It's not an area. It yeah, it's just the name of his his home in Memphis. It's not as big as I thought it'd be. Oh, wait. I think behind it, it's a lot bigger. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a giant mansion. It's Elvis. Come on. He's going to live large. I know what I know. Like, I don't know. I'm not that familiar. Do you know how the hook goes? Like, the vocal hook goes? I know what I know. I sing what I said. We come and we go. That's a thing that I keep in the back of my head. And then all, as the chorus is going on, there's these, I think they're female singers. Yeah. But the, whoa, whoa. Like these really <laughs> loud, strange Jeez. vocal sounds that you never hear in Western music. You think he just had them do what they wanted to do? <laughs> or I think he heard them do what they do, and he's like, I know what I know. I've seen what I've said. We come and we go. That's a thing that I keep in the back of my head. I know what I know. I love that. I, want to do I have that. an idea of how it can fit in my song, and I'll just slightly curb and sh like shape how they will do that, and I'll put it in the chorus. Like... You know, I, I think he lets people do what they do really well, and then he figures out what he has to do to have it fit in his song. Because he's, he's, he's going to completely uncharted territory. Like, no pop musician is, has tried stuff like this before. So I, I think he's just... Uh, Super I cool. think he's just letting it happen, yeah. Uh, if you look up Graceland on Spotify, it's got like the 25th anniversary edition, and uh, the very last track, it's like a nine-minute track of him talking about Graceland. I listened to that. And, um, yeah, I heard that right before we got on this call, actually, and uh, he said that only five songs uh, were recorded in South, in South Africa. Yeah, that that's the thing. It's It's got that presence on it, and it has a lot of those players, but it's not like that's the only thing this album's doing. What's the one where he goes? What's the one he goes? I have no opinion. I have no opinion about about this. This and I have Boy, no opinion about that. Crazy and Love then, Volume Two. I like when he's like, I have no opinion about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah. That that's that one is about a breakup. I think that that one's about maybe it's about Carrie Fisher. That one that one's about divorcing Carrie Fisher. If I were to to read into that, yeah. But then it's imagery like Fat Charlie the Eight, the Archangel slopes into the room. Like what? That's where we're starting. Dude, he's such a poet. That song could be so much better if it wasn't for that snare sound in the chorus. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I didn't. I, I didn't notice anything bothering me. It's like the most abrasive, <laughs> harsh, like gated snare, <laughs> gated reverb oh, snare really? I've ever heard, and it just totally. Eighties. Like, We're 80s. in the eighties now. Yeah. That's like the, the one shortcoming of the album for me. Is that the only song that has it? Is that the only song that has it? No, I Know What I Know has really harsh drum sounds too, like really harsh processed 80s drum sounds. And that that's for me, 
like that that kind of takes away from this album being super perfect. Like it just makes it so dated. Those, those uh, particular moments, like it's like, oh, I gotta back off the earbuds for a second here. Like, where'd this sound yeah. come from? A man walks down streets. <laughs> Why am I soft in the middle now? Why yeah. am I soft in the middle? What's yeah, that song he's about? Addressing, he's addressing his own midlife crisis. If you'd be my bodyguard. What would you, uh, how would you describe it? It's all just like um, metaphors for when you're going to take on a new relationship this late in your life, you can't uh, go to in, go into it too heavy or too seriously. Like there's just too much baggage all around maybe. So you, you come up with these new personas at first or you just... If you're gonna like get that intimate with a person, you know, after so much of life yeah. and so many different experiences and heartbreak, it's like you gotta kind of come at it from an angle. Maybe I don't know. Sing an amen and hallelujah. If you right, it's just like you know, after a certain point, you got to get over yourself and just you know remember to be playful and to explore again. You know, you don't have to that's call awesome. me Paul. You can call me Al. That that's my guess. You know, that that's the great thing about these songs is every time I come into it, I feel like I can get a different but still valid, like, interpretation from it. Yeah. And that bass breakdown. I don't think that's Paul, dude. That's not Paul, dude. That's not Paul. (laughs) Also, I think that's reverse bass or something. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some studio trickery there. That was your mother. That was your mother is, is kind of... I'll still listen to it, and it's got some fun stuff in there, but that's... The one song where I'm like, this doesn't really do it for me that much. Like he's he's doing Zydeco, and the story he's telling, I'm not that into. It's it's like a, a reluctant father. What's Zydeco? You're saying Zydeco? Zydeco. That's uh, New Orleans style of music. It's it's almost kind of like polka. It's very oh, uh, gotcha. accordion focused. That one, it's like uh, like I'd rather just hear the real kind of music rather than his emulation of it. Yeah. I don't know. That that one doesn't do it for me as much. But uh, all the other songs on this album are, are so there's so much depth. So much depth. But I agree with you that the the first half is is the strongest. Dude, it was recorded in October of '85 to June '86. That's a long time. It's a long time. Hey, I mean, it's it, there was a lot of labor here. There's that's a eight, lot of that's eight months, dude. It's eight yeah, months. Yeah, he needed them because there there's so many different players too. This isn't just Paul Simon and the boys. Like he had so many different musicians from different places, different countries, you know, coming from yeah, different dude. genres oh and God. backgrounds. On, he had so many personnel. Personnel is insane. Personnel. Yeah. Look yeah. at this on Wikipedia. Oh my God. I mean, you want variety? Here it is. Yeah. Is there any electric guitar in the album? Um, it's just not played with distortion or whatever necessarily. But there, there's a lot of guitar. Oh, no. The, the, the beginning Graceland of... Graceland has um, guitar and gumboots. Diamonds on a That's guitar, I think. Yeah, it does. Diamonds on a Sword of Shoes has guitar yeah. when like, the song there's, picks up. There's, there's no distortion on any of these songs, I don't think. There's no distortion, yeah. Pedal steel guitar. I mean, he had everybody... He must be a great director. Like, everybody is on their A-game working with him. And it's just... So many different elements of it sound inspired. And obviously... I, I feel like a lot of people working on it also felt like, wow, this is fresh. This is new. Like, what's this going to turn out to be? This is exciting. So it's just, it's kind of the perfect storm of, of uh, experimentation and, and wonderful lyrics and performances. Like, everything really came, came to a head here. Yeah. But I also do recommend anybody listening check out uh, Rhythm of the Saints as well. 
Yeah, I gotta check that one out. You say it's got a lot of Latin influences, huh? Yeah, or uh, pounding drums. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it was recorded in Brazil. I wanna, I hope I'm right about that. But yeah, that's definitely a recommended listen. Um, so yeah, I see so you are really familiar with a few of the songs, but not a ton with the album as a whole. Are you gonna? Keep listening to it after this uh, yeah. episode's over. This yeah, is gonna... man, I am. I'm a fan. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a fan of the album, dude. It's great. It's yeah, really great. Real smart decisions everywhere. Beautiful sounds. Great lyrics. Great. I mean, great like lyrical flow. You know, great melodies. It's awesome. It's bright. It's like it's like a bright blue sky, dude. Yeah, bright blue sky. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy. I got this uh, album into your your ears and your your you mind did. a little bit more. You totally did. Yeah. I'm so glad you chose it, dude. It's awesome. Alrighty. Till next time. Bye, man. All right. That was Dan Barracuda and myself discussing yet another uh, notable album. And if you want to check out Dan's music, which I do definitely recommend, it's very uh, virtuosic and progressive but uh, very tuneful and interesting atmosphere the whole thing good for uh, fans of pink floyd or, or tool i think uh check him out on uh, spotify or wherever else you enjoy tunes that's uh, dan barracuda and as for myself got a lot of goodies on my uh home website niagaramoonmusic.com and if you also would like to uh, get my very latest uh, brand new album but in kind of an experimental uh multimedia interactive way you just go to free niagaramoonalbum.com and you can sign up there uh thank you so much for tuning in and listening i hope you're finding these interesting because they sure are fun to uh to put out and and it's always just a pleasure to talk about uh, interesting music so i'll be back uh very soon have a uh, good week fun week and uh, hopefully a uh, safe week happy music making if you're a musician <laughs>